for the Indians. One run on, let's see, one hit. That's all we got. One goddamn hit. You can't say goddamn on the air. Don't worry, nobody's listening anyway. From the Gateway Lounge in Sioux Falls, it's Nobody's Listening Anyway. Here are your hosts, John Gaskins and Matt Zimmer. All right, it is a Thanksgiving week edition of Nobody's Listening Anyway, Gateway Lounge. A few days, three days, two days, whatever it is before Thanksgiving. Uh, it's a busy week. It's the anti-kind of... Uh, week for Matt Zimmer. A lot of us get time off to enjoy ourselves. You, man, quite the week for you. I'm getting Thursday and Friday off. I'm not complaining. You're going to pick up that microphone? And I didn't know if you wanted me to. I thought you <laughs> said it there to have it sitting there. No, I meant to pick, to pick it up. I don't know the audio <laughs> yeah, stuff. Like, just, yeah. I was like, okay. I yeah. literally was like, I guess he wants it there. No, like, uh, <laughs> no. All right, good. Because yeah. this is more, yeah, that was weird talking into a microphone sitting on the table. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's like a press conference here. Yeah, I'm just laying yeah, it down there. Yeah, no, yeah. No, no, I got Thursday and Friday off, but I gotta. That means I got to get everything done ahead of time, and then uh, with SDSU football having risen to the level that it has over the last few years, I was kind of getting used to having the Saturday on Thanksgiving off because the Jacks pretty much get a bye every year. That didn't happen this year, but that's okay. They're home. I don't have to travel, so I'll be back to work on Saturday for that game. Cal Davis coming to Brookings. Um, so it'll be a fun week. Get to spend some time with the family on Thursday. Have a very big Thanksgiving dinner planned, and uh, I'm excited for that. You've had yeah, and you've had the file, and you've had to do a lot of uh, front loading work this yep. week yep. Uh, to get everything in. And you're covering these Jackrabbit games in the Pentagon, which I'm curious about uh, later on. By the big family dinner. So is this uh, is this your dad's family? Is this uh, yeah? My um, my dad and his wife and yeah. her her my my stepsister Katie is hosting. She's uh, the most recent to get married. The most recent to get a new house. Oh no, I take that back. My brother got a new house recently too. But anyway, she's still very much in that. Uh, I really want to host all the things mode. Yeah. You know, new house. Oh yeah. Recently married. Show off. Yeah, wants to you know. She's 28 going on 65 all of a sudden, oh, wants yeah. to be grandma. So. Wants to hear everybody tell her how awesome the house looks. It, and, it's it's yeah. nice. We actually had a, yeah. a family Halloween party there just a month ago, so it should be good. Um, I will be, uh, I'm only, really only concerned about the meal. Uh, of course. Don't screw that up. Well, and what else Yeah, what else would you be concerned about? She hosted it once earlier and they, we, we didn't have turkey and I was not happy about that. They oh. did one of those alternative Thanksgivings and in no certain terms, I was like, if you're going to host again... <laughs> That's not going to happen again. What was the alternative? I don't even remember, but I remember being like no one was particularly happy about it. So, <laughs> turkey, mean, mashed potatoes, corn yeah. stuffing, the usual. You would you would you accept prime rib? Would We've that done that before, and it's outstanding. But they do both, you know. Yeah. I think actually when before the kids kids so to speak meaning me and my peers were old enough to have our own places when it was always at my parents or grandparents or something. We often did turkey and ham. But I always feel like turkey's the staple. You have to have it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm, I will die on that hill. You have to have turkey and mashed potatoes for Thanksgiving. Even though turkey can be bland, if it's cooked well, obviously it it's juicy and uh, flavorful if you get the right grease going on there. And Well, last year, because of the pandemic, you know, remember it was like getting bad again right around. We had, oh, yeah. The summer was kind of chill and everyone was like, oh, we're coming back to normal. And then, boom, mm -hmm. fall was bad. Mm -hmm. So we did not get together last year for Thanksgiving, largely out of concern for our parents and grandparents and yes. you know, wanting to keep them safe. There was no vaccine. And uh, so me and Jen and Arthur, it was just the three of us, 
and neither Jen or I had ever made a turkey, you know, made a Thanksgiving dinner. So we were like, eh, let's give it a shot. And we crushed it. I don't know if we just got lucky, but, and I even forgot to thaw the turkey. I didn't know that that was something you're supposed to do like a week in advance. Oh. So I was Googling all these how to thaw a turkey at the last minute ideas. And like I was up till four in the morning, like changing water in coolers because you have to have, you have to cold water, but you can't like have, if you do hot water, it'll ruin it or whatever. And look at you, Clark Griswold. Yeah, it, that's exactly what it was. <laughs> it was like a comedy routine. <laughs> But it came out perfect. Like we just nailed it. Wow! So, so now I'm going to be even more of a critic of my. Oh, I was going to say, yeah, you don't have because to do I'm like, it hey, if year. I can do this, then you better do it. Is there part of you that wishes you could do it or wants uh, to help? I mean, I'm willing to help, but okay. uh, my my house my house is too small. Nice house, but a small house. I need to have 15 people cramming into my place. Well, I mean, so. like you go over there and help cook. I, my services are available. Okay. I'll put it that way. <laughs> if that's what it takes to get it right, then then I will. Uh, I can put up a shot. Are, are you a gravy guy? Are you yes. a, a okay? I'm a dark meat gravy, mashed okay. potatoes, corn. Yeah. I don't like stuffing, but like I feel like it still needs to be part of the. You know, I won't that's eat any of it. Very interesting. But, but it needs it, to be there. It needs to be there, but you're not going to have it. Nope. You're not going to even need, eat it because you feel like you have to eat it. Yep. It's like the, it's like the green bean casserole. I don't like that either, but I, that's I, kind of a staple I, I, too. Yeah, I almost feel like I'm an adult now. I don't have to eat this. Right. Although most of the time we're eating it because somebody makes it and we don't want to hurt their feelings or uh-huh. to not eat it. But I kind of feel like I got to eat it now just because uh-huh. I was I was tortured to this. Yeah. Uh, I was subjected to this torture when I was yeah. young, and I have to do it as an adult. It's just. Well, the other one for me, growing up, uh, my grandmother, who's still alive, Lois, is 94 or something. What a great she, name. She hosted, you know, throughout her 60s and 70s, basically until uh, she got a little bit too old and her husband passed away, my grandfather, Russell. Um, when she hosted, and she was the world's greatest cook. I know everyone says about their grandmother, but holy shit, Lois could cook. And her Thanksgiving dinner, they, she always laid out, like two hours beforehand, this big plate, not so much of hors d'oeuvres, it would be... Sweet pickles, dill pickles, and green olives. Okay. It was just a plate just full of them. And that was like the one thing that you were allowed to snack on before dinner. And so I, as a 7 to 11-year-old, whoever that, that time, would just load up on olives. And I liked both dill pickles and sweet pickles. So last year, when Jen and I had our Thanksgiving, I was like, when we went to the grocery store, I was like, we need olives, we need sweet pickles, and we need dill pickles. She's like, why? I was like, just trust me. And that was kind of a nice little like throwback. So that Aww. that's also part of my. That's also a must. You don't. Uh, there's you, you don't see any Loises anymore. Well, it's funny. Jen's grandmother is also named Lois. <laughs> yeah. I have uh, my grandma's sister was named Lois. The the last Lois I know of is uh, from Family Guy. That's it. Yeah, Lois Griffin. I think yeah. she's the last Lois. Well, there names go in cycles. You know, like yeah, I know. Arthur would have been a weird name, and now it is like our son's name is Arthur. And every time we tell somebody that, they're like, "Oh, that's a that's a choice." We're bringing it back. Yeah. Have you, have yeah. you ever heard uh, George Carlin's bit on names? Yes. Okay, Tucker yes. and Todd. Hi, Fuck Tucker. Tucker. Tucker sucks. Yeah. Hi, Tucker. Hi, Todd. Hi, Todd. <laughs> I'm Tucker. I'll bet you 10 times out of 10, Nikki, Vinny, and Bobby will yes. kick the shit out of Todd, go. Kyle, and Tucker. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, uh, well, good for you, and uh, you're not a stuffing guy. I forgot if you're a pumpkin pie guy or no, not. No, I don't eat any pie. I'm big on the stuff. I think, I think stuffing's the number one side dish. My dessert for Thanksgiving is a tall, stiff Bacardi Coke. Okay. Yeah. Uh, not, not any pie? No. No? Okay. I, I used to hate pecan pie. Now I love pecan pie. Don't I don't eat any pies. I love pie. Uh, all right, so let's, uh, 
let's get to uh, the Jacks and what they're doing. Uh, first of all, let, let's just get right to the uh, seedings, the, the draws that came out uh, on Sunday for the FCS playoffs. Do you feel like the way, and I get it, uh, look, the Jacks are 8-3, and three, the Yotes are 7-4. and four. Even though the Yotes won head-to-head, the mm-hmm. Jacks, uh, a week before that, beat North Dakota State. Mm-hmm. USD went up and got destroyed by the Bison, and I get the committee pays a lot of attention to that last game because they're already sitting there in the room before they, they put the, everything out. But... Do you feel like the Jacks got a little bit of uh, ro- you know a little bit of royal treatment for their brand name the same way Alabama has been getting all these years, uh, and the Yotes maybe didn't for being kind of an irregular newbie with the fact that the Jacks I mean their path is. Uh, you know, a home game and then Sacramento State, right? Mm-hmm. And then uh, Villanova and then potentially Montana, and they're avoiding North Dakota State while the Yotes will get a home game against a conference team, mm-hmm. and then uh, bang, they got to go right back to Fargo uh-huh. and get destroyed. Uh-huh. Do you think there was any sort of that uh, reputational treatment? I think the Jacks got favorable treatment more so than I would say the Yotes got screwed. Okay. You know, um, I mean, the Yotes, did, they were the last team in, I think, at least about how they laid out the bracket you know though that should, I, should, I should take that back they weren't the last team in but like the last one to get announced yeah, northern Iowa was the last team in. right Kyle correct. eric thinks the theory is because it wasn't a 5 p.m kickoff because they sent in the bid to host a home game for five o'clock because they're hosting the summit league volleyball that's could why be. it was a late announcement could be who knows um either way we knew they were in but we didn't know that they were even going to get a home game necessarily um this is their first ever home game and they're getting a home game against a team that has lost three out of their last four and just got beat by youngstown state that, just looking at that first-round matchup, is a good draw for the Coyotes. You're at home against a team you should beat. Uh, and they haven't for, played this year, which is Well, good. I was just going to say, I know no one's really happy about playing a conference foe just because it's not as fun. You know, like the same thing happened the week before. Augie had to play Bemidji State in the playoffs. Like, you just played these guys a month ago. You would like to get a, a new face in there. So that sucks. I get that. But it is a team they didn't play during the season. And, and again, Southern Illinois is limping into the playoffs. Uh, USD should win that game, and they get to be at home. Uh, to be seven and four, and at home for the first round of the playoffs, there's worse things. That's not so bad. Uh, but yeah, if they win, which I think they will, uh, then they have to go right back to Fargo. That sucks because we know the Bison do not lose at home in the playoffs. But if you're gonna, and I kind of alluded to this in my column, like not saying anyone's happy to go to Fargo in the playoffs, but if you're gonna do it. it wouldn't it be better to do it like two weeks after you were just there? Because look at it from the Bison standpoint. Like, yeah, they're the Bison, and they're we're badass. We kill everybody. But you kind of kind of look at that and go, geez, we got to beat the same team twice in three weeks. That's not easy to do. You know, if USD sucked, that would maybe be something you go, well, who cares? We'll beat them again. But they're a good football team. They're a yeah. well-coached football team. Yeah. They're probably not going to come out and lay an egg and be down 28 nothing before they've even, you know, figured out what's happened like they did just the other day. So do I expect the Coyotes to go to the Dome and win? No, I don't. Um, but I, if, if I'm the Bison, I don't like that, that we have to beat this same team twice in three weeks. They're going to be better this time around probably. Um, and, you know, and I, as I mentioned in my column, the Oats won up there like six years ago when Joe Glenn was still the coach. Humongous upset. Yeah. No one saw that coming. Right. But other than that game, they haven't even really competed against the Bison. And uh, they're too good of a team to just never never compete with them. I think they're due. Again, doesn't mean I think they're going to win. I don't think they're going to win. But I do think they're going to beat Southern Illinois, and I think they're going to go up to Fargo, and I think they're going to give them a much better game than they did two weeks ago. Yeah, it, it did feel like uh, yeah. it, it, has SDSU been – 
destroyed or really not come close in the playoff games they've had in the Fargo Dome? It seems that way. Uh, the final scores usually end up being not yeah, close. They, they, they kind of hang in there for two or three quarters. Stay on the ropes and, for a while. Yeah, and, and then the Bison overwhelm them. Game. Yeah. yeah. I mean that's so, and and usually although going way back to the Zach Zenner era, they had they had the they had the Bison in Fargo and lost very very late. I obviously was not at that game, but I I know that they came very very close in yeah. Zenner's junior or senior year. My point in saying that is because USD or SDSU and NDSU usually play late in the year, not the second to last week of the season or the third to last week of the season, but usually like the fourth to last. I mean. It's it's close. So uh, usually it's never an early season game. I don't think it has been so, a couple times, but not usually. It just kind of seems like whatever happened in the regular season, you go to Fargo and you go to die. But yeah. um, but no, I don't I don't discount that that could be a and should be a much closer game than it was. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Curtis Riggs said this on the Move the Sticks podcast with Curtis Riggs at this very table that we taped it last night here at the Gateway Lounge that. He just doesn't think USD is a good matchup for NDSU. And I didn't ask him to expound. We moved on to a different topic. But uh, do, do you think there's something to that? What would that mean, that USD is not a good matchup or, or, or for NDSU? I mean, who is a good matchup for NDSU? I mean, the Jacks have been. Uh, they've, you know, dominated them physically the last couple times they've played. But, you know, USD, for the most part, I think, was the better team on the line of scrimmage when they played yeah. uh, at the Dakota Dome a couple weeks later. I mean, if, does that USD team give a better game to NDSU? I don't know. I mean, I, yeah, because the, the thing I would think is, oh, USD, because it has done this for most of the Nielsen era, kind of a spread it out team, a little bit of a tempo team, mm-hmm. a, more of a perimeter team, uh, pass to open up the run or, or, or going wide to open mm-hmm. up the middle. But they've been, uh, and I'm not going to pretend I've watched many Coyote games this year, but mm-hmm. certainly I follow. But and their running game's better. Yes, that they yeah. have that they have linemen now right. and that they uh, were, be- were better, if not really equal, with the Jacks at the line uh-huh. of scrimmage. Uh-huh. And obviously they got beat up on Saturday in Fargo. It got away from them, but it kind of feels like I'm not quite sure. If, the, if it's not a great matchup, it's a better matchup than it than. It has been in the past. Like well, it, and also USD's defense has just been so much improved. I, I did not watch any of the game the other yeah. day, the 52 to 24. I just mm-hmm. saw it was 28 nothing right away, and then yeah. then the Oats kind of started competing. But at that point, the game's already over. Um, I know I I wouldn't have liked you know USD. I think last year almost exclusively ran a three four defense, and they came out this year. I think mostly running a 3-4, and by the end of the year, they had mostly moved to a 4-3, I think. Don't quote me on that, because, again, I don't watch them all the time either. But I never felt like a 3-4 team was a good matchup for the Bison, because you're just going to get run over trying to pressure that offensive line with with three. Um, maybe they're a better, better matchup now that that they are if they are going to a four four man front more often. I'm not entirely sure, but like I said, nobody's a good matchup for NDSU, particularly in Fargo in December or November. Yeah. You know, but I just think, like I said, you, we always hear these cliches about it's like in the NFL if a team swept, you know, it's hard to beat a team three times in one year. Uh, in, in college basketball, you know, SCSU get beat, gets beat by Western Illinois in the tournament. It's hard to beat a team three times in one year. Um, in this, I think this is a similar thing there. It's hard to beat a team twice in such a short period of time. You know, because USD is going to be able to look at that game and go, geez, well, nothing went right. There's so many things they can adjust to. Um, again, I'm not expecting them to win, but yeah. I wouldn't like that as a Bison fan, that we have to beat this same team we just beat the crap out of two yeah. weeks ago. I get your your baseline reasoning, and maybe it's just simple as that for the Yotes beating Southern Illinois, that Southern Illinois has lost three of its last four and just not playing well. It's just not that good right now. Uh, good. We're good. Thank you. Uh, but what uh, – 
what, what else is, is is there any other basis for that or is it just that plain and simple like what why is southern illinois slumped off since beating the jackrabbits and i haven't watched them once so i couldn't tell you like a, a breakdown of it but remember when they beat the jacks we're looking at the schedule and going they don't have to play the bison they don't have to play the coyotes they're going to run the table and win this conference and they didn't even come close to doing that uh, now, Did they lose their quarterback or something? Or? No. Okay. No. I mean, I don't think they were that good. Okay. You know? The Jacks had them 20 to nothing before yeah. anyone had even sat down in their seats. That The Jacks, that's still their, the Jacks' worst loss. I mean, I know the Hail Mary is more painful, but they were up 20 to nothing, and they were well on their way to being ahead 42 to nothing at halftime. They were just blowing those guys out of the yeah. water. And this was just a couple weeks removed from – destroying Colorado State, going to Indiana State for the conference opener and winning 44 nothing on the road. Like, this is when we're still looking at the Jacks going, holy shit, these guys are good. They are just going to yeah. roll everyone. And then it completely falls apart at 20 to nothing. Southern Illinois gets some momentum. Both coaches did some stupid things that ended up affecting the game multiple ways. Southern escapes with – and I'm not talking about the two-point conversion at the end, by the way. Uh, but Southern escapes with the win – and I don't think the Jacks ever fully recovered from that because they ended up losing two more games that we probably don't think they should have. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what happened to Southern. I you know, didn't pay any attention to them the rest of the way okay. other than looking at the scores. Um, but I don't think they're a great defensive team. Um, they didn't run the ball as much as maybe I thought they would, just judging by the stats. Um, and, you know, they got, they got beat by Youngstown State in the season finale. Youngstown State was in last place, shouldn't have had anything to play for. Yeah, didn't Northern and, Iowa kill it was it Northern Iowa that just killed them? Youngstown State? No, Youngstown State just killed Southern Illinois in oh, the season wow. finale. Oh, okay. Jesus. Um, well, then the other question I'll ask you about this Southern Illinois team is we are still not far removed from the spring when they came close to beating the Jackrabbits in the quarterfinals mm-hmm. and being becoming a semifinalist. And they had that one co- kind of cocky gamer quarterback dual threat. Stone Labanowitz. Yeah. And, uh, so, he is no longer on the team. Right. And he lost the starting job competition in the and fall then and then bounced yeah. yeah so what's different about this southern illinois team from that one that made it to the that damn near made it to the semifinals maybe it's just that that they don't have the same swagger under nick baker i mean nick baker's a good quarterback i think he led the league in touchdown passes so i mean it's not like they have this huge drop off in not having stone labanowitz anymore uh javon williams is kind of their running back slash wildcat quarterback guy who's been a, a, a huge player for them i don't know if he got hurt uh, but his, I just noticed that his stats at the end of the year were not that as, as impressive. Um, and again, like I said, defensively they've been very hot and cold. Um, so I don't know. Um, and and you know, it's hard to say how they'd match up with USD because they didn't play this right. year. I just think you look at a team that's lost three out of four coming in, and who they lost to at the end. Now Youngstown State, I know they ended up three and seven, but I think all three of their wins were against uh, playoff teams. <laughs> so even that one, you kind of look at it a little funny. The Valley, man. That, exactly. There's nobody in the Valley that just straight up sucks. And then yeah. you go, oh, you know, you have to win that one. Um, but still, it's just neither of, the, of them, I guess, come in with a ton of momentum, given that USD just got smoked by the Bison. But getting smoked by the Bison in Fargo is a little different than what Southern Illinois is Yeah, just to look at Southern Illinois, I'm just looking at scores purely. Uh, yeah, 35-18 loss at home to Youngstown State. Uh, beat Indiana State 47-21. I'm just going backwards mm-hmm. on their schedule. Mm-hmm. Uh, they lost at home to Missouri State, and obviously Missouri State's good. They're a playoff team. They contended for the title, but that was 38-28. So, yeah, you're right. Their defense isn't playing all that all that great. Northern Iowa beat Southern Illinois 
after both USD had crushed the Panthers at the Unidome, and then uh, they had gone and beaten South Dakota State. So, I mean, Northern Iowa is interesting at six and five, getting uh, the rare six and five team that gets in, mm-hmm. and uh, I believe they have to go to no, they don't have to go to Sacramento State. That's where you, that's, that's the where Jacks the Jacks would go. Would go. I forget where Northern Iowa would go or who they I got. I should have a bracket up in score, front of me, but, but, but whoever yeah. it is, we I think every time a six and five five team has made it out of the valley, that team has won their first round game. Well, yeah, because they probably are better than the team they're facing right. more than likely. Right. Uh, it's probably it's usually probably a higher a team with a really good record from a really uh, bad conference. Um, Six teams from the Mo Valley get in. We'll get to the Jackrabbits and uh, you know, sweating it out against UND and the USD the UC Davis matchup in a moment. But uh, six teams out of the Valley, that's a fourth of the league. That's pretty par, right par for the course. It's usually five or six teams. Uh, any, any big surprises, uh, either A, teams that got in, or I wouldn't think so, and B, uh, the, the draws that anybody got. Um. I don't think there were any huge surprises. I didn't think you and I was going to get in necessarily at six and five, but I wasn't paying that close of attention to the fringes of the bracket because, frankly, I don't care. Sure. I cover the Jacks. <laughs> um, but uh, I know, I know. Fodder uh, for the U and I fans that listen to this podcast. Well, but I mean, like the the hero sports guys who do pay attention to that yeah. and do a very good job of it. I know uh, B Mac Brian McLaughlin had was twenty four for twenty four, picking the playoff bracket. So there must not have been too many surprises. Um, and he had been paying closer attention to it than I, and recognized that you and I, yeah, they're six and five, but it's not like six and five. You and I got over, got in over some team that was nine and two or something. There weren't a lot of other great teams yeah. in, in the in the running for those final couple spots. Um, which, again, as me and Mike McFeely will tell you, is why this field is too big. We don't need twenty four teams mm. in the FCS playoffs. Mm. Um, but so, if there was any surprise, it was that. Um, you know, I think. Another Valley team getting a seed, maybe you could have made a case for that because the Bison were the only one, and three teams from the Big Sky are seeded. But who is it going to be? You know, Missouri State at eight and three, maybe. A lot of people had them as an eight seed. Hmm. The Jacks, maybe. But you, you, no one from SDSU can sit there and say this is bullshit. We're getting screwed. You lost three games. Oh you know? yeah, yeah. This is on you. Um, having said that, South Dakota State got as favorable a draw, draw as they possibly could have expected as a non-seed yeah um absolutely you know uc davis is a good team that is not a, a gimme but from what i understand they're coming in pretty banged up they've lost their last two games they got spanked pretty good by sacramento state on saturday the team that the jacks will play if they win yeah and being at home this is a game the jacks should win then they would go to sacramento state which i don't know a lot about sacramento state but I think most people will give the Jacks a very good chance of winning that game. Sure, I mean, and then you just look at the rest of the bracket. You mentioned, you know, uh, Villanova, Montana, Sam Houston. Sam Houston's the national champion; they're they're undefeated. But if you're a Jacks fan, the places you don't want to go are obviously the Fargo Dome. Probably after that, Bridgeforth Stadium, the home of James Madison, and maybe even potentially the the Dakota Dome. I don't know if you want to go back there after what's happened the last two times. So those are places you're saying we don't want to play those guys. Uh, Northern Iowa, you know, yeah, they're only six and five, but they beat you on Hobo Day. They're on the other side of the bracket too. Wow, you know, there's no Missouri State. Is Missouri State on the same side? I think uh, Missouri State is on the Jack side of the bracket. And they didn't play, did they? They didn't play this year. They did not. Yeah, Missouri State plays uh, Tennessee Martin, and uh, so so yeah, it's. Again, not saying that the Jacks have this sort of walk in the park. They don't. It's hard to make it as an unseeded team. You don't get that bye week and everything. And they're capable of losing just about any game. Absolutely. They've proved in that. Absolutely. Yeah. But it's, you know, I think every Jacks fan will tell you, hey, 
that's not so bad given how this season has played out. Absolutely. And so, well, I'll get to the UC Davis matchup in a moment. How how do they look for a team that coming in? Are they stumbling in? Are they? They did not. They're play. not roaring in. They're not stumbling in. I mean, uh, their they, season finale against North Dakota is maybe the most boring Jacks game I've ever covered. Wow, a 24-21 game. And uh, you could feel it. I the second you got there, I pulled into Brookings and I come in through the back. You know, so you have to drive by the tailgating area to get to the parking lot, and it was dead. Just nobody. I was like, wow. Now. Not surprising. They were coming off the Hail Mary loss to USD in a season that was already kind of a little bit underwhelming given what the expectations were. Um, we talked about it on this podcast. You know, lots of people, Jax fans, have been talking about it on social media and some of the other podcasts that losses like the one at USD are what leads to games where six, 7,000 people show up. You know, prior to the UND game, the Jax were averaging 15,000 fans a game. Well, guess how many showed up on Saturday? 8,000, mm. far and away the smallest crowd of the year. Now, the weather wasn't great, and it's getting late in the year. Maybe that would have but partially been the case anyway. And you're not playing NDSU or right. USD. But there's no doubt that there are plenty of Jax fans that were like, I'm not going to what, you know. Not this they're, one. they're choking again. Here, here we go again. We, we got excited about this team, and they're letting us down. And then you watch the game, and it very much felt like the Jax were, I don't know if you say feeding off the lack of energy, but they were sort of reflecting – the atmosphere in the crowd. The, the, the malaise. Yes. It was just nothing was happening. And North Dakota had nothing to play for. So it was just two teams that were out there kind of like, Ugh, let's just get through this. And the Jacks, I don't think, ever trailed. Well, uh, they played okay. Um, but, you know, a North Dakota team that isn't that good, that didn't have anything to play for, their All-American left tackle was not in the lineup. Um, it just was – it kind of felt all game like the Jacks were like – Let's just get out of here with a win, which they did. Yeah. And that was a win they needed because if they lost, they might have got left out of the bracket because they would have been six and four. So give them credit. They, they got the win. Um, but you could definitely – they looked to me like a team that didn't have a lot of confidence, didn't have a lot of swagger, looked like they were still suffering a hangover from the loss to USD. And given the way they lost that game to USD, I don't blame them for that. Yeah. But I do think – human nature. I do think having – gotten the win no matter how ugly it was or how boring the game was or how disinterested the fans were and everything now that they're in the playoffs that they got a favorable draw I do expect them to be able to a little bit kind of let's forget about everything that happened in the regular season everyone's zero and zero all the cliches absolutely uh and and be able to to put together a run here yeah that's human nature as well I I was listening to Mark Farley the UNI coach Mm -hmm. on uh, this Des Moines radio show that I enjoy and, uh, he, yeah, he was – I mean, it, it, it sounded cliche, but it sounded pretty convincing coming from a Steely veteran who who once ruled the Missouri Valley before North mm-hmm. Dakota State became NDSU and mm-hmm. SDSU as well. That, uh, yeah, none of this – you know, none, nothing that happened at this point really matters. You're a good team. You've beaten South Dakota State. Uh, you know, it's kind of – you know, this, this, is, this is it. You know, you, you don't have to be defined by anything else. Um, I, North, it's interesting you pointed out that UND had nothing to play for. Were they? Did they? They came in. They at were five, five and five. five. Did they have any shot to make it at six and five? I don't think so. Because they had played. I'm, I don't know who they. I don't know what their impressive wins were, but they, they, had, they had none. That's the thing. They had okay. all these one score losses to all the good teams. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was going to say. I mean, yeah. they had, they, it's not like they weren't competitive, but they. Okay, because I would think there was no. That, that's a I, I asked that they, uh, Tom Miller, the Fighting Hawks beat writer was there i asked him before the game has there been any talk of hey let's go out there today and win you never know and he's like no they 
they are they have come to grips with the fact that this is their last game. And they didn't play it like it was their bowl game and yeah, a chance yeah, to finish with a winning yeah, season. No. Were they uh, mano y mano? Was this should this have been a more lopsided game? Like not necessarily. Like I mean, you just said North Dakota had a one score they, they with, played with every good tough. team. Yeah. yeah, that includes um, North Dakota State. So. But yeah, the, you know, the Jacks just didn't just didn't play with a lot of energy. You know, okay. they got it done. And it kind of felt like Chris Oladokun, their quarterback, sort of dragged them to the win. You know, like he just made some plays and didn't make the mistakes and did just enough to win the game for him. Was it kind of a slow moving, like not much up tempo, just possess the ball? I don't even remember that. I mean, just, <laughs> okay, it, it was so boring. It was okay. Well, having said that. Uh, you're, and you're right. Reshuffle the deck, and now this team this team is capable of great things. I mean, uh, we saw that against Colorado State. We saw that against North Dakota State. So um, I – oh, boy, that's always a dangerous question to ask me. Will I have another? Uh, no, thank you. No, thank you. I know. That's, uh, I decided to surprise. I decided to do, be George Costanza to do the opposite of what I would normally do. Um, the uh, – Okay. Jackrabbits now, before we get into the prism of this UC Davis game, here's the assessment from Curtis Riggs last night, Move the Sticks podcast. When it comes to, obviously, it's a team capable of great things. It's got much many of the same players that were, whatever, 15 seconds away from a national title last year, minus Mark Gronowski, and that's you know it's a big rep- loss. But, but he's been adequately replaced. Adequately replaced. Uh, the, the one thing Curtis feels that the Jacks lack is a home run threat. That was the Oklahoma State transfer. He hurt his knee in game one. And uh, there's, great, there's good receivers. There's great targets. There, and he thinks Kraft is an NFL tight end. And, and then you got, um, what's his name that I called a million games for? I can't remember his name. Zach Hines mm-hmm. and the Yankee Twins. But he doesn't feel like they have that home run threat if you really need it in a, for a big play in a big game. I don't know. Jaden Yankees averaged about 20 yards a catch. I mean, he's yeah. kind of the deep threat, and Jackson is a little more of the possession guy, but he's been a deep threat too. Um, I mean, are either of those guys Jake Winicky or Cade Johnson? No. Uh, but they've been pretty good. Yeah. Um, I just think the Jacks need to, you know, they need to not turn the ball over on offense. And I know that sounds like such a cliche, but when they've lost, that was – often, you know, a major factor. And were in those it. forced turnovers or unforced errors? Both. Okay. I mean, you know, a couple a couple of them early. Uh, the Southern Illinois game, Chris Oladokun took a couple of chances that didn't work out. Uh, Northern Iowa, I mean, that, that game is so long ago, I have a hard time remembering what the, <laughs> what the key plays were, but but there were there were turnovers that mattered in that game. Yeah. Um, USD, I mean, I, you know, obviously that game was won. It was in hand, and we don't need to, re, you know, rehash what happened in that one. But, um, and, the you know, the defense hasn't been – awesome the second half of the year you know they had a really tough time with usd yeah. uh, they couldn't tackle nate thomas you know uh, carson camp had a pretty good game against them before even the the hail mary at the end um you know they had injuries you know logan back is don gardner but they get those guys back and they haven't necessarily been better with those guys back and i'm not saying that's logan back is or don gardner's fault it's not don gardner's been pretty good since he got back didn't um, Logan just, just come back like in the second half? Well, he uh, got targeting against USD, so he had to sit out the first half against UND. Okay. But he also missed a couple games early in the season with an injury. Okay. So he's been kind of in and out. Um, you know, they, they just haven't been quite as good as they were in the spring. Um, the back, back just makes a huge difference, though. If he's full strength and playing at his best. I mean, I thought last year, 2019, and then even into the spring of 2020, he was arguably the best linebacker in the Valley. And it's... 
I'm not saying he hasn't been good again this year. Again, he's been hurt. He's been in and out at times. And also, Adam Bach has asserted himself. He's the best linebacker on the team this year. And I don't just say that because he has the most tackles on the team. I mean, John Stiglmeyer has said this guy week in and week out is grading out incredibly high. He was a became the starter in the spring season as a freshman, and he's a dude. He's their guy right now. Um, but you know, the safeties haven't been great. Uh, they've had some, they've been moving some guys in and out of the lineup there. The D line, I still think is 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 good, has the potential to be a strength, but it kind of seems like they come and go. Like they just have stretches where hmm. they're dominant, they're rushing the passer, they're creating all this havoc, and then there's just a couple series where it's like, what happened? All of a sudden, you're getting gashed for six, seven yards a pop on the running game, or you're not getting any pressure on the quarterback. They just haven't quite had that consistency. Mm, but that's... you said it just a second ago, and I've said it ad nauseum the last couple of weeks. The team that beat Colorado State, and I, I hate to keep like, harping on this one game, but that team that night, that's a bowl team in the FBS. Yeah. That team was so good. They, they played so well. Stig mentioned in his press conference this morning, he was like, I don't know if I've ever seen us – with that much electricity and swagger before the game. He was like, we just came out for pregame warm-ups. And I'm paraphrasing Stig here a little bit, but he was like, you could feel that our guys were like, we're here to kick the shit out of an FBS team. And then that's what they did. Yeah. And they have not had that swagger that's ever since then. Yeah. And you can't ex- so therefore, you can't necessarily expect it to come back, but you know it's there. It's hard to have five times in a row, but mm-hmm. it's there. Uh, and how much of a difference does having Isaiah Davis back make? Big difference. Um, he... Ran for 20, 22 yards on his first carry, you know, and they ended up not using him very much. I, I don't think he's 100%. We'll see if they give him, feed him more this week. But, you know, part of the reason Isaiah Davis had such an impact in the spring is Pierre Strong wasn't 100%. Pierre Strong's yep. been the best player in, in the Valley this year. So now there's a little less of a, a need necessarily for Isaiah Davis. But, you know, that that creates a, a problem, a kind of a, yeah. you know, one of those good problems to have sort of thing. If you're Jason Eck or Andre Crenshaw, it's kind of like, how do we do this? You know, we got the two best running backs in the country potentially. Do you just sort of like try to figure out who has the hot hand and ride that guy? Do you try to have sort of a thunder and lightning attack and call different plays to get the other team off balance? We're going to do this with this guy and this with that guy. I don't know, but having him back certainly is is a, is a benefit to them. And perhaps we haven't seen the best of Chris Oladokun. I know you did uh, feature on him. When's that coming out? I haven't written it yet. Oh, you haven't written it yet? <laughs> Do you know where this is headed, though? Um, I think. What have, what have you well, learned about him? He's a, a he's a really good dude, and I know we say that all the time, but, like, he really is. Like, the, the, the first time I talked to him over the phone, the day he committed, I was really impressed with him. Um, I think he's a, a broadcast major. Like, he strikes me as the kind of guy who could go into TV talking about football after his career. He's very smart, uh, loves to talk about the game, you know, is gives really insightful answers to questions. And you can see how that benefits him as a quarterback, that he's a guy who probably came in very curious, very willing to learn, uh, and, and knowing how to – like I asked him, geez, you know, you got this short time window to learn a new offense. And he was like, dude, I've played every offense in the, under the sun. He's like, this will be no sweat for me. Wow. But the interesting thing, and, and what I kind of want to focus on in my article, is look how many other teams have brought in transfer quarterbacks that had a really impressive pedigree and for whatever reason just didn't work out. North Dakota State's had two of them. They brought in Zeb Nolan, who had started at Iowa State. He wow. couldn't hang on to the job. Now this year they bring in Quincy Patterson from Virginia Tech. He lost the job too. They, Cam Miller, a, a recruited freshman, ended up beating out both of them. Um, you know, it, when when Chris came in, it, you're kind of thinking, well, geez, this guy, you know, used to play at the FBS level. He's been a starter. Of course, he's going to work out. Maybe, but it doesn't always work that way for a variety of reasons. When you, especially, you're only going to be here for one year. You know, how engaged is the guy going to be? Is he going to get along with his teammates? Yeah. Is he going to 
come across as more of a hired gun, you know, than part of the team, sort sure. of. And that's what Chris did that I think has led to his success is he got here right away and was like, I'm going to be one of the boys. You know, he sort of forced himself into the the cliques on the team or the leadership group was like, I'm one of the boys, I'm here, and became a leader, and everyone bought into that. Nobody was threatened by it. You know, nobody felt like, who are you, dude? You just got here. Like, they were all like, hey, awesome. This is what we want from our quarterback. And he learned the offense. He became friends with the, the guys. They earned his – he earned their respect. And he goes out in Colorado State game and, and plays almost perfect in his first game. And he hasn't been perfect since then. I've mentioned, you know, some key turnovers hurt them in a couple of their losses. But overall, for a guy to come in for one year and just know, like, this is it. I'm here for one year. I don't think he could have worked out much better. Well, maybe maybe they are, and you would know this better than I, a more of a team of as he goes, they go. Like, if he I, he, seem, he seems like a pretty consistent individual with demeanor and uh, effort, but – if he's if he's balling out and quote unquote his best self as a quarterback, then I know that's another sports cliche that's used all the time. But as the quarterback goes, maybe the team will go. I mean, not sort of, maybe more. Emo- I, I know in some of these bigger games, sorry, like the North Dakota State game, he was kind of an effective game manager. Yeah, they haven't leaned super heavily on right. him, and, and it, but he's got it in him to make the plays like absolutely. big throws when um, he needs he ha- to. He hasn't been a running weapon nearly as much as we expected. Um, the passing game has been effective, but he's he's averaging like 200 passing yards a game. You know, he throws it less than 25 times most games. He's got 20 touchdown passes, I think, five interceptions. He's got very good numbers. They're not bonkers numbers that you go, oh, my God, this is National Player of the Year conversation. He's just been really good. Okay. But when they, you know, lost Mark Gronowski, that's what they wanted. Uh, I'll go to one more quarterback question. Chase Mason was at the game. Obviously, the former Viberg Hurley, uh, an amazing athlete and talent uh, with, an, with an arm. I mean, he's a Nebraska baseball mm-hmm. pitcher. He wants to play football now, even though he's, he's had, he has two bad knees, uh, but he's got a while to recover. He's still young. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, the, I think a lot of the FCS schools from around here are on him like vultures, and he was at the SDSU game. I, from what I, I've heard and I take, he'd really love to play for He's going to SDSU. You, you, you're convinced of this? I know it. He's going to SDSU. Has he, has he announced that yet? No, but it's... Okay. I won't say it on Twitter or in my column because oh, just in our little secret den here that no, nobody listens like, to. No, 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 that's not what I mean at all. <laughs> it's just like I don't. Do you want me to tweet this right away? No, I don't I won't. put put it in print, but uh, yeah. it, okay, book it. He's going to SDSU. Okay, why? Just because he wants to be a jackrabbit that bad? They want um, him that bad. I don't know. I haven't talked to him, but I've talked to many, many people in his inner circle, and um, I mean, from what I understand, he was going to be a starting center fielder for Nebraska early in his career. I thought he was going to pitch. He can pitch, but yeah. I believe he, but he they, can hit. Oh, he can hit the ball. I, I mean, believe yeah. it was starting like center field is what yeah. I was told. Okay, um, but obviously they were not offering him the opportunity to play both. Yeah, and I've got I've mixed messages on what he's going to do at SDSU. Some people told me he's coming here because he can do both. Others have said no, it's going to be just football. I'm not sure. I know Augustana wanted him to do both, and right. obviously he's got They offered that to Peyton Zabel, and then he got in trouble well, then, and had to leave. Well, but, he did, but I also think from what I've heard that that. That didn't go swimmingly because he did have to divide the football and baseball it's time never during go, spring. Go particularly well. Yeah. Um, so we'll, like I said, and I don't know if if he's going to try to do both at SDSU. South Dakota State. If you're trying to play quarterback, can you really have that balance of 
you're going to miss the occasional spring practice. I don't know. I'm just asking the question. I don't, you know. I think he wants to be closer to home. I think that's why he chose Nebraska in the first place. You know, he had offers from all over the country. Of course, and as you know, Fresno. I always like to say, why are these local kids wasting their time going to a shithole yeah. like Nebraska? <laughs> um, but I think the reason he chose Nebraska shit over, hole. and I'm, I'm obviously speculating and, and kidding a little bit, but I think he chose Nebraska because, like, well, if I'm going to go to a power school, I'll go to the one closest to home. And maybe it was, you know, that still wasn't close enough to home, maybe. I don't know. Yeah. Or he just wanted to play football that bad. I think it's he wants to play football that bad. Yeah. That's what I understand. That's what Curtis uh, seems to think. But that's interesting because Mark Gronowski's got four more years of eligibility. Well, that's the, and again, Curtis and I dove into this on, uh, on Move the Sticks with Curtis Riggs here from the Gateway last night is – that's a tough room to break into, and from what we can tell, he wants to play quarterback. He doesn't I've, just want to play football. He, Chase Mason wants to play quarterback. I've heard that uh, schools have floated the possibility of playing tight end to him, and he's been like, yeah, no, I am a quarterback or I am not playing football. Yeah. And, again, that's secondhand information. Don't so, you know, but, if, but if what you're saying is true, he's willing to roll that dice. I like guess. He's willing to go right in there and go after not just Mark Gronowski, but uh, Rudy Va- I mean, Rudy Voss is going to. And, Will he have uh, a say? Cade, Cade Rice, I believe, is the name of the freshman they recruited last year. And, you know, the Jacks, to their credit, I mean, they're the kind of program now that they're not just going to be like, oh, we have a good quarterback, so we're not going to bring anyone in for the next four years. Yeah, like, like, yeah, like Scott know, Frost did with Adrian yeah, Martinez. They're going to bring in a stud every year. Yeah. And if the new guy beats out the old guy, good. That just means that's how good the new guy is. Yeah. You know, Whatever. That's, what, that's what happened with Mark Gronowski. You know, Jabori Gibbs was supposed to be the guy for four yeah, years. I mean, I know he got hurt. What's happened since he, then? Though? Well, he tore both of his ACLs. Okay. He, so he still just hasn't recovered? He was still recovering from his first one. when That's what enabled Gronowski to beat him. Yeah. And then when he was kind of close to being back to 100%, the Jacks put him in a game in mop-up duty, backing up Gronowski, and then he tore his other ACL. Yeah. Is so, he still recovering from the second? Yes, so he's still recovering from the second. Okay, so he's not even had a chance to be like really on the death. Not chart. really. Okay. I don't know. I think originally before his second injury, his plan was to transfer because it's like, hey, Mark is clearly the guy now. I'm gonna go somewhere else. Um, but then when he gets the second injury, then it's kind of like, how many opportunities are there gonna be there for you? You know, is another D1 school gonna want to take a chance on a guy who's coming off? Missed two whole years of football with two ACLs. Yeah. So now I've heard that Jabore might stick around at least to you know wait a while and see what his options are because obviously this isn't a program that it sucks to be a part of. You know of he course. can still be a backup there potentially. You know if Mark gets hurt he could get another opportunity. He can get a college degree. You know he's got a scholarship to go to SDSU. So uh, I, I hate to like try to speak for Jabore. I've only had limited conversations with him, but I think given the uncertainty of his health. He hasn't made any final decisions. Yeah. Is kind of what I think. Because he was going to be the told. next thing, and, and we who who's to tell? Who knows if he's ever going to be the same type of quarterback or can be with recovering from two torn ACLs and having not one but now two guys stepped up after him, done really well. But where was he? Where do you think he was headed? I mean, was he headed to four-year starter at SDSU yeah, and I think uh, lighting so. the world on fire? I mean, he was having a very good freshman yeah. year. Yeah, um, it's he's not. He's not. He's kind of a dual threat. He's, he's not like a runner, certainly like Gronowski was, or even Taron Christian. He can run. He had a like 75-yard touchdown run against Youngstown State, but he's not a. He's more of a guy who can, if he gets in the open straight line, can burn, but he's not going to dance around and make people miss. Uh, but he's a good passer. He's a smart dude. His teammates loved him. He's not like a real rah-rah kind of leader. He's more of that sort of stoic, kind of cool under pressure sort okay. of dude. But his college debut was at TCF Bank against the Gophers. I, that's what I remember and most. And almost won that game. Yeah. And like, I think crap. that's when they were like, hey, we got a dude here. Yeah. I feel bad for him, but yeah. that's uh, that's life, that's sports. All right. What, what 
challenges does UC Davis present to being uh, to really making things a buzzkill in Brookings? I don't know a ton about them, and I haven't gone through the whole you know study their roster and, and for my preview story yet. But um, I'm told offense they do a lot of different things. Uh, Stig was talking about on his press conference this morning that they're he's like whatever descriptor you want to use they're one of those teams that kind of throws the kitchen sink at you offensively I've just glanced at the statistics it looks like they're fairly balanced run pass nobody has like outrageous stat lines or like oh this is the guy to look out for it's all kind of okay this guy does some things this guy does some things this guy does some things uh I don't know as much about their defense I haven't looked yet but like I said, I, I, I've I've been told they have some injuries that they're that they're banged up, that they're not coming in healthy, and they're not coming in hot either. I believe they were eight and one and lost their last two games of the season, mm. so they're limping in a little bit. Which, given that they're also going on the road, probably works to SDSU's favor. This is a Big Sky team. Yeah. Okay. I'm surprised they're not like both UC Davis and Sacramento State. You just figure being in California, being close to a major major place like San Francisco, that they don't get. Better football teams. Everybody at Sacramento State's like the what the Davis has been seed. a Davis's coach is uh, Dan Hawkins, coached That's uh, right, yeah. Boise State and Colorado back it's in Big the day. 12, it's Big Twelve football. Yeah, yeah. Um, and he's done a nice job since he got there. That that's always been a solid program. He's an alum. Uh, he came back, okay. I believe, at a time when they were struggling a little bit, and he got him going again. Um, so it, it it's a quality program. The Jacks have some familiarity. Not so much with – it's been a, a decade since they played them. But, I mean, they at least, like, used to – they were in the same conference. Remember the yeah. Great West Conference oh, yeah. that everyone had to uh, – actually, South Dakota State's first Division One football game ever after the transition was against Cal Davis. Yeah. You know what the score was? No. 52 to nothing, Cal wow. Davis. Yeah. Wow. No kidding. Yeah. I had a roommate uh, when I was working in TV in Medford, Oregon, who went to UC Davis. That's the extent of what I know about UC Davis. I know it's in, it's in, this, the, uh, it's in the Sacramento area. The Vikings had a quarterback a couple years ago that played at Cal Davis. Oh, boy. I can't remember who it was. Yeah. Uh, hey, speaking of them, uh, uh, yeah, what were you thinking watching this Vikings-Packers game on Sunday? Uh, you know, it's funny. Um, I missed the first half because I was at Dana J. Deckhouse Stadium for the Jacks' uh, oh, yeah. selection show party. And uh, I actually brought Jen with me because I said, uh, hey, why don't you come with me? We'll go to this thing watch the Jacks deal, I'll bang out my story quick, and then we can just go over to Cubbies or Wild Wings and watch the Vikings game. And she was like, sure, all right. So that's what we did. We ended up going over to Wild Wings. And uh, the Vikings were ahead 16-3 to when we walked in. And I hadn't checked Twitter or turned on the radio. I, I had no idea what was going on. And we walk out like, wow, 16-3. to And Jen goes, ah, they'll blow it. <laughs> and I wanted to be like, oh, no, this is a little different. They're at home. You know, it's the Packers. But I was like, Ah, shit, she's right. They're definitely going to blow it. Yeah. And uh, because we were sitting in a bar and she's not that into it, I wasn't paying that close of attention. I was paying more attention to, to her than I was to the game. Aww. But I was keeping it up. I just mean we were talking. Like, <laughs> not like we were having some heart-to-heart. I just mean like, you know. Yeah. And uh, But I was watching, and Packers are steadily coming back, and you're kind of like, okay, here it comes. And um, it was funny when Rodgers threw the touchdown pass with like two minutes left, the, w- the one play drive after yep. the Vikings had taken the lead, seventy-five yard bomb. Yeah, the guy catches it at what, like the thirty? Oh yeah. Well, he's and, he's like the fastest receiver in the I, NFL. I was yelling. I actually yelled to the screen like, "Let him go!" Because if you tackle him there, you know Rodgers is probably going to milk the clock all the way down, score as time expires. You know, and who knows if they go for two and win the game, and yes. the, you know Vikings never get another chance. So. I was happy that, okay, if they're going to score, do it in one play, because now you've less, left the Vikings too much time. 
And then I actually said that out loud. I go, well, they left too much time for Kirk Cousins. And Jen goes, Kirk Cousins is not Aaron Rodgers, which was – she doesn't know a lot about football, but I was kind of impressed with how quick, <laughs> quickly she clapped yeah. back at me when I was like, hey, left too much time for Kirk Cousins. Yes, yeah, it's like and, slow your roll right, there. Right, And uh, so then he throws the interception. Yes. And uh, – Again, we're watching it in a bar. The sound was not on. You would have been so pissed. And, I would. Uh, so I just, I just. Was this at Cubbies or Buffalo Wild? Buffalo Wild. Oh my God. Okay. Anyway, go there on. was nobody in there. Half the TVs weren't even on NFL games. Okay. Like they had college lacrosse on the big screens on a Sunday NFL Sunday. No comment. Yeah. Um, so anyway, he throws this interception, and I just go, "Well, that's it. Game's over." And uh, so I go back to talking to Jen, and uh, then all of a sudden she goes. I thought the game was over. And I look back up like, oh, 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 yeah. Like, <clears throat> I didn't know what happened. I had to look on my phone, scan Twitter to figure out, oh, the interception got overturned by a replay. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get right down. And so they set him up for a, what was that, a 28-yard field yes. goal? Yes, yeah. And... Mike Zimmer doubled down on his field goal kicker. It's like, this is an I mean, extra point. It, right. I don't care and what you fuckers think. We're right. going to kick a field goal. Well, you that's that, so that's what, close. That's what, any, that's what any coach would that's do. That's so close. In so, no way can Mike Zimmer be held that's accountable what, that's for that. That's what any smart coach would do. Yeah. You still have a chance to yeah. fuck it up more if you try to score a touchdown, right. even from three right. yards if out, it's, than kick a field goal. If it was a 45-yarder or something, that's one course. thing. But from that yeah. close in, yeah. in no way is it on Mike Zimmer, even if he misses no, it. No, of course not. And uh, But it's funny. He's lining up for it, and Jen goes – he can miss this, can he? And I go, I don't think so. I go, I could make this. Yeah. I mean, like not ten times out of ten. Yeah. But I could make this. I. Uh, and okay, uh, well. I. But I. But I go. But am I still nervous? Yes. I'm Absolutely. still afraid he's going to miss it. Oh yeah. And then he didn't hit it great. Like he kind of just tucked it in the right upright for as close as he was. Yeah. You know he. <laughs> but he made it. So. Well, I would. I didn't see it because I was. Uh, I was listening to it on the radio. I was. I watched most of the game on TV. He was on the right hash, and he tucked it in the right upright. Oh man. Yeah. Be, but. Uh, I, I was uh, – it just happened to be Gilbert and I were coming here for the Chiefs-Cowboys. He's a Cowboy fan. I'm a Chiefs fan. We were coming here to the Gateway. We had an awesome time. But before that, it was kind of we'll, – we'll watch this uh, – we'll watch the end of the Vikings-Packers game here at home, and then we'll leave. It got right up to about 3 o'clock, 3.05. And Gilbert's – you know, so he's not the type that's like, oh, yeah, it's like, no. We were planning on leaving at 3. We're fucking leaving at 3, <laughs> 3.05. And so I had to start getting ready and get in the shower. And so I was listening to Paul Allen while I was in the shower – and uh, you know, it's like, yes, this is going to come down to a twenty-yard field goal. And I was like, am I? Do I want to race down? Do I like dry off real quick and race downstairs to watch this? No, I want to hear Paul Allen call this because <laughs> if he if he makes if he it, misses, he'll go ape shit. If he misses it, it's going to be myopic. Uh -huh. Uh -huh. And maybe he might, you know, yeah. he might miss it. Yeah. You know. But uh, anyway, uh, yeah. So I listened to the uh, jubilant celebration of the mm -hmm. chip shot field goal. By the way, the. Uh, the the text from uh, the tweet from Patrick Royce after you're talking about the 75 yarder let him go favorite tweet I wasn't really on Twitter much of this game but Royce uh, was my favorite that I saw of the whole game excellent strategy by the Vikings to give up that 75 yarder and get the ball back with plenty of time on the clock exactly it worked <laughs> out perfect uh, and by the way Curtis pointed out not only was there that interception that almost lost the game Kirk Cousins. Uh, but there was the, the the throw to Thielen that's set up at, at, on the previous touchdown drive mm -hmm. where they had scored to go up before the mm -hmm. Rodgers mm -hmm. touchdown. He had, uh, before he threw that, you know, he's getting rushed and he just tossed it up and Justin Jefferson caught it. Uh, he had thrown, he had, 
threw a pass that should have been intercepted. He th- he underthrew Adam Thielen so bad it caught the defender off guard to the point where the defender froze, and mm-hmm. Adam Thielen was able to go back and catch it. Mm-hmm. But that was another near Kirk Cousins disaster, mm-hmm. and instead they're able to uh, squeak out a win for him. So, but what is it? How does that leave you feel now at? Uh, Five and five. They're in the playoffs if the season ended right. today. They would yeah. be the number six seed. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, and I don't want to go back and forth and drop the gavel on Mike Zimmer every week, but now I'm starting right. to kind of feel like here we go again. Like they're they're feisty and they keep games close. And are we so sure we'd want to fire him even if you uh, go? And I'm saying yeah. we like I'm a huge fan. If they uh, you know just make the playoffs and lose in the first round, I don't know. This formula still seems to be creeping along. Well, yeah, I mean, it was after uh, the Cowboys game where I was kind of like. All right, that's, that's enough. And that was a primetime game against a right. damn good, but at home. Um, but since then, you know, they've obviously turned it around a little bit. And um, the the thing is, at, at that time, I remember us both saying, like, obviously they have to fire him, right, if they keep going on this, you know, keep losing. Because we both kind of said, like, well, if they miraculously turn it around, then obviously you you know, that changes things. I don't think he, I, I certainly wasn't saying fire him right now in the middle of the season. I know some people were. I, I've, I'm of the opinion that that's almost never a good idea in no, the, in the you, NFL. But you've got to have serious, actually I do a thing with Paul Allen every week and he was mentioning, I, I brought this up to him and he mentioned that Mike Tice got fired right after the season ended, but that wasn't in the middle of the season. Right. Brad Childress got fired, but there was so much dysfunction right. because he had gotten rid of Randy Moss without right. the consent of his right. uh, an approval of his bosses, and they were playing terrible anyway. So this doesn't happen under the Wilfs, right. and it wouldn't, you know. Right. Anyway. So, so not yeah, good if you're going to stick with the guy for the end of the year, you might as well let, him, let the guy try to save his sure, job. Sure, sure. And uh, as much as myself and other people who are kind of getting tired of Mike Zimmer have felt like, the problem is, you know, being a little bit of a dinosaur and not keeping up with the modern NFL and being too stubborn about certain things and yada, yada, yada. I still think what's more important, you know, is does your team play for you? You know, is your team playing hard? Those kind of things. Can you still do you have you lost the locker room? Clearly he is not because they've won their last two games. Now all of a sudden they're in the playoff picture. Their schedule gets easier down the stretch. I mean, we'll see what happens. This is an extremely un- unpredictable team, but they're five and five and. If you want to be forgiving, if you want to you know, be a glass-half-full guy, you can say, well, geez, they should have beat Cincinnati. They should have beat Arizona. Probably, you know, you, Baltimore was a game, you know, they, they had a chance to win. They should have lost it, to Detroit. That'd be Detroit's only fair win. Fair enough, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're 5-5. Five and five. They could be 7-3. and three, Almost you know? blew it in Carolina, but yeah. No, that's true, and uh, they still got the Bears twice, and uh, that's a sinking ship. They still got the Lions, Lions again. That's three wins right there. And uh, they go to San Francisco. San Francisco will test them because, obviously, the Niners are all of a sudden the Niners again. And the last time these two met there, it was uh, you know battle of the two rare NFL teams that, that rely on run running, play action, and defense. And mm-hmm. 49ers killed them at their own game in the playoffs. But uh, I think Justin Jefferson is you know he might save Mike Zimmer's job. He certainly is saving Kirk Cousins' Uh, in Minnesota, and uh, like Zimmer still is not uh, straight away from we're you know we're going to pound Dalvin Cook as much as we can until you know we're two touchdowns behind, mm-hmm. and his, but. Uh, even he's realized just fucking throw it to Justin Jefferson more. Good things will happen. You'll get he's he'll he'll win one on one battles. He'll that 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 was basically a prayer that that Cousins threw to him to uh, go ahead mm-hmm. by seven, and he 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 was there, and it was a pretty easy catch for him, even though Cousins was getting you know flailing around, and uh, and sometimes you're gonna get the p- pass interference call because he already has the respect of the refs that way. You can draw pi anyway. It's like geez, just keep throwing it in his direction. He gets 146 last week, uh, like 170 this week. 
keep doing that, then you can erase whatever shortcomings Kirk Cousins has. And you can erase, by the way, Zimmer's defense. I know it doesn't have Daniel Hunter. Harry Smith is back. It's still not very good. They gave up, I think the Packers scored on their last four possessions or for the last five. Mm-hmm. By the way, that means Aaron Rodgers is still incredible. He's an alien. Uh, he, had, he had practiced once in the last three weeks, <laughs> and he goes out there and throws 385 mm-hmm. and almost threw the knockout mm-hmm. punch like he's amazing. They mm-hmm. should go to the Super Bowl because of him. Again, lost his center over the se- offseason, lost his, one of his running backs, lost his right. So what? He's Aaron Rodgers. Um, but, uh, yeah, Justin Jefferson could, if they just keep the overall concept of, uh, you know, let's just, just, just find a way more often, it's uh, good things will happen. Uh, any any Jackrabbit basketball observations as we go? Because you covered their win over Steve Alford's Nevada team last uh-huh. night. You're covering them against Washington tonight, and they've, they've they got look, a few games under their belt. They, they look looked incredible. They? they looked incredible last night. Yeah, and uh, I don't think Nevada's very good, but they have two seven footers down low, and Doug Wilson dominated, and uh, they still are shooting the lights out from three, and uh, in particular Noah Friedel is playing outstanding. And I don't know if I would say I'm surprised by that necessarily because his difficulties last year were not basketball related. But still, um, having to you know bow out in the middle of a season because you're having personal problems, it's anyone's guess how that's going to impact him, both as a person and as a basketball player. And coming back into this year, everyone was, was being very tepid, I guess, in talking about what you could expect from Noah. You know, he wasn't in the starting lineup right away. Eric Henderson and his teammates continued to say the important thing is that you know Noah's in a good place, that we're being there for him, that he's a good teammate, all that. No one really wanted to talk about the basketball side of it. Well, he's been incredible. I mean, he's scoring 20 points a game, awesome. coming off the bench. I think he started one game, but, I mean, he is a dude, just like he was as a freshman in the first half of his sophomore year. He's playing better defensively. I mean, the problem with this Jacks team since Mike Dom left is they haven't had their full arsenal in the postseason. You know, Doug Wilson's first year, he wins MVP of the Summit League, then can't play in the conference tournament because he's hurt. They get beat. Last year, Noah Friedel has to leave the team for personal reasons. That's one of their most important players. He's not there for the conference tournament. And they still came a bucket away from beating the team that went to the Sweet 16. Well, now this year, if they can keep Doug Wilson and everyone else healthy, if Noah Friedel can, you know, continue to be the person he is and, and do everything that they need him to do, they are really freaking good. Do you think they're just going to keep taking him off the bench because that seems to be working? Or I don't know. Uh, Hendo's used a different starting lineup almost every game, and I asked him about it after one of their recent home games, and he kind of like almost got sort of defensive, and I was like, Eric, I'm not I'm not criticizing you. I'm not just, telling you. I'm just asking why you're doing the way you're doing. Just being and, inquisitive. And uh, No, it wasn't like a combative thing. He, right. was, he was just sort of like, I don't know, I don't know, and I was like, that's fine. That's an answer. You don't know. That that's yeah. and he it's okay. he's like, yeah, I'm just tinkering. And and he said, I might continue to tinker. You know, we got okay. they got a lot of dudes that can play. I mean, David Winget was supposed to be one of their dudes transferring over from Memphis. He's not even in the rotation right now. You know, and uh, Zeke Mayo's a true freshman. He's playing a lot and he's really good. Charlie Easley, the guy who's a walk on at Nebraska, yeah. uh, played a little bit last year. Was kind of a spark plug guy off the bench. Now he's part of the rotation and he's playing really well. Um, <laughs> They look really, really good. They don't have a lot of weaknesses for a mid-major team. Did you melt in Steve Alford's presence last night? What do you mean? Well, I don't know. It was like well, oh, just that. I, it was, was, I mean, I, I, I wouldn't say I would, but uh, you know, but by now both you and I have covered a lot of famous sports figures. But mm-hmm. uh, he was like that was the first national title game I remember watching was uh-huh. the Steve Alford, uh-huh. and he didn't even hit the shot, but he had like seven three pointers back uh-huh. when that was unheard of. He did in a national he did title drop game. A mention win. of it in his post game last what? night. Yeah, of that game. Uh, just that he he. 
was a part of a national championship team. Wow. What would make, it wasn't in a way that felt <laughs> like uh, – because we, we were kind of talking about how shitty Nevada is, you know. And he was just yeah. like, hey, I've been on both sides. You know, oh, I've, okay. I've seen this. I've seen this. You know, I've, I've, right. you know, I've experienced the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Okay. So it, it made sense in the context. Wow. Um, but he was extremely complimentary of the Jacks. Uh, it took him forever to come out for the post game. We were told that he was in an extremely bad mood, and so we were expecting kind of this Bobby Knight sort of presence to come out there, and then he couldn't have been more huh. uh, friendly and just patient or whatever. But then we found out later he kicked a guy off the team last night. Oh, A guy who played last night, it was announced on Twitter today, has been kicked off the team. Okay. So how does that work? Do they, like, put him on a bus and say, get the fuck out of here? Or, uh, I don't know. Like, that's really awkward. Like <laughs> you would think they'd wait till you get home to kick the guy off the team, but anyway. So. Well, that's interesting. Well, the, the Bears have fired. Apparently, reportedly, this is earlier today. This might be outdated, and we're we're headed toward the finish line. Apparently, the Bears have, are going to fire Matt Nagy or have fired him today uh, after the game. Like he's like he's he's done on Saturday or he's done after this really? game. And I'm like, okay, well, if that's, that's going to happen. Then why would he even coach that game? Because it sounds like it's sort of like a player driven thing. Like yeah. there's some sort of mutiny going on mm-hmm. that they're like, yeah. he's got to go. Well, enjoy that one. Bears, the three and seven Bears and the 9 and one Lions. All I know. right, I know. And, uh, enjoy that and happy Thanksgiving, sir. That's it. Likewise. We're done. Okay. <laughs> and a happy Thanksgiving to all of you as well. Hope you get to get together with your families. That you, like Zim, are going to do all the traditional wonderful things with the turkey and the stuffing and the pumpkin pie. And uh, whether you do that or not. Hey, if you need a replacement to fill that void because for some reason you can't be with your family, you can come to the Gateway Lounge. It's going to be closed so their employees can enjoy their Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving dinners with their families, but only until 7 o'clock p.m. So if you want to come out and hang out, have a place to go out uh, after you've been in the house all day on Thanksgiving Day, the trip to fans that kicked in, uh, you know, your, your body died for a little bit and then it perked up and you want to go out. Uh, Gateway Lounge is a fun hangout. I'm sure you know that by now. There will be sports on that Thursday night, whether there's sports or not. This is a fun place to go. Great neighborhood bar, excellent staff and service. And, of course, you know it's got awesome, awesome food. Uh, so, uh, you know, place to go. And then Friday, day after Thanksgiving, Black Friday, same hours that it normally is here at the Gateway Lounge. It opens at 11, and it, it goes until 1.45. If I ever say Gateway Mall, by the way, and I've, I know I've said this a few times in, in this podcast, it's because the mall in Lincoln, Nebraska, where I've lived a 10 collective years of my life, uh, is called the Gateway Mall. So I f- forgive me. But uh, the Gateway Lounge, coming here on Black Friday for the Nebraska-Iowa game. Curtis Riggs thinks the Hawkeyes got this. I say no way. The trend is that... Nebraska keeps games close all year long against everybody this year and uh, the last most of the last six years in this losing streak with Iowa. And uh, Iowa likes to keep games close, but Iowa finds a w- way to win most of them, and Nebraska doesn't. Uh, and uh, Curtis feels differently. He thinks it's a breakthrough time for the Huskers. But uh, just like the Packers and Vikings, followed by the Chiefs and Cowboys on Sunday, if you're the kind of person who every now and then wants to branch out, get out of the house, and come to a, a, a fun uh, crowd and a fun atmosphere at a sports bar to watch a big game, 
uh, hey, uh, it, it was off the hook for all day Sunday, and it will be for the Huskers and the Hawkeyes because obviously there's a, a, a bunch of fans for both fan bases here in the Sioux Empire. So you got Black Friday off, 12.30 kick. Come here to watch the game if you want to get out of the house and enjoy, again, awesome food and service and atmosphere. And then, of course, man, it's going to be a huge Saturday for college football, Ohio State and Michigan, all the rivalry games. Jacks, Yotes, they always find a way to get the Jacks and the Yotes on the TVs here. Again, if you can't get it at home or don't want to watch it at home, you can't make it to Vermillion or Brookings, come to the Gateway Lounge because they will they, – they always know what games to have on here, and that especially includes whatever the Jacks and the Yotes play they are not going to uh, shortchange you or let you down when it comes to a playoff game for either the jacks or the Yotes football teams and nfl sundays i mean with all the different games going on at once you're a fantasy player or a gambler or you just love football why settle for just having two games on at home or paying an outrageous amount to, to get all of the nfl football games on the on the sunday ticket when you can just come here again have an awesome meal uh with with friendly people taking your order and uh, never forgetting about you, never taking forever to get that next beer. You, they're always on top of things. And uh, and just watch the games all at once on here. Instead of the flip, 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 you just get, watch them all at once. They make it easy for you here at the Gateway Lounge. Why are you laughing? That was a terrible outro. Fuck you. Because <laughs> you know how to drinks? Yes. Yeah.